الجزيرة بودكاست. Hi there, Malika Bilal here. I'm handing the mic to my Al Jazeera colleague, Kevin Hurden. Enjoy. It's iftar time in Gaziantep, a city near Turkey's border with Syria. All over town, families and friends get together to break the day's fast. It's a cherished ritual during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan. But for Ahmad Nasher, this year's Ramadan feels unrecognizable. When you are looking at the people's faces as well in the streets, it's really different now. It's been over two months since two massive earthquakes hit southeastern Turkey and northern Syria. Emad has had to move his family repeatedly to find shelter and work to shield his children from the trauma. He isn't the only one struggling. You have very little knowledge of, you know, what they've really gone through, especially when you hear the details of the horror of that night. More than 55,000 people died in the disaster. Many are still missing. And the problems haven't stopped. Half a million new homes need to be rebuilt. Stealing out of sheer desperation after a devastating earthquake. Today, we're returning to Turkey to find out what it's like there when one of the holiest times of the year is also the hardest. I'm Kevin Hurton, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Ramadan Mubarak. Yeah, thanks. My name is Imad Nasher Niam. I'm Syrian, based in Turkey, Gaziantep. Tonight, you'll be with your family. You'll have iftar, hopefully. What's on the menu? In uh, the previous Ramadan, we really care about what is in the menu of the table. Like, we put really many types of food. Of course, we put also the dates. And we put also what we call the, the hiran or the yogurts. In the previous Ramazans, since I was a child, they were really five or six types of food every day. Now, this is the first Ramadan that I see our table is only with one meal. This year's Ramadan is unlike any other. And it's the first since the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. So, Imad. The last time we heard from you was just after the earthquake, when your home was badly damaged and your pregnant wife, your mother-in-law, and children were all sleeping in a car in the middle of the winter. I, I didn't feel like this any time in my life. Like, really, it's like the hereafter. People are really scared. And now we are just at the cars here. It's, it became dark. Um, we don't have plan. We don't know what to do. So basically, bring us up to speed from that moment and, and how you got from there to where you are right now. That three, four days uh, which, we, which we spent in the car, they were really a disaster. Like, you cannot sleep uh, peacefully. Imad's landlord lost his own home in the earthquake, so he evicted Imad in order to move in. That's how, in the middle of a national disaster, Ahmad and his whole family needed to find a new place. I just rented a small studio. My family, my two brothers' families, and my mother-in-law. We were like uh, about 13 people living in a studio of one room plus a hall. 
For one month, they lived in the cramped space. Gas supplies needed for heat and cooking were not available because of the disaster. Electricity and water could disappear for hours at a time. It was a better situation than others, but it was really like, again, bad one. And at the end, I rented a house. Four times the amount that I was paying in my previous house, and it's smaller one. Had you not been living in the studio, where would you have had to live? Many people, they just stayed at their cars. Some people, they couldn't even get the chance to get tents, so they just put some blankets in the park's seats. Many of the other people, they just slept in mosques or in community centers. Maybe you can say that it was about 30 family in a mosque yard. And you know, your family has only like three meters to live in. When we hear about these stories or when we see our uh, like uh, friends or our relatives or the people that we know who had this experience, like we thank God again that we had um, the opportunity to rent a studio. I just want to talk just briefly about your unique situation because you're, you're Syrian. I know that you'd probably consider leaving Gaziantep and the earthquake zone, but maybe that's not an option for you and others like you. Right. For Syrians, we have restrictions to move even to another cities. So if you are a Syrian and your address is in, in Gaza Antal, usually whenever you want to travel to another city, we have to, uh, to get a travel permit. The other thing is it's really not easy like to go uh, to another city and again to rent house because most of the cities which are near to Gaza Antal we're really busy with the people who can move, huh. with Turkish people who can move. So whenever um, a Syrian go to another city, it's not really easy to find a house. In addition, that many of the um, uh, house owners, they don't prefer to provide houses to refugees. So it was really not easy. Uh, from, my, from my side, personally, I had my, my wife um, pregnant with her eighth month. Yeah. We were afraid also, like, if we travel and if the time for giving the baby can come, we don't know how, how they will deal with us in the hospitals for our legal presence. Wow. Of course, we are legally, like, up there, here, uh, but we don't know how the hospitals will deal with us. So we had to stay here in the same city where we are registered. My goodness. Yeah, so personally, that period was really tough. But all of those challenges have only strengthened Ahmad's faith, especially during Ramadan. How has the earthquake changed your relationship with the holiday? Does it make you reevaluate it and make you um, appreciate the smaller things? Yeah, you know, like these small things, uh, we didn't uh, feel that they are really precious for us. Like even when you are living in a house, when you are sleeping and you don't think that this house might collapse. Yeah. But now, uh, since that day, like every night when we sleep, like literally speaking, uh, we say goodbye to each other. Because uh, when we hear the stories of the families who lost many members of their families and the stories on how they tried to rescue them or how they were calling them or how they were crying to them, so how we, how we didn't feel these nice things before, that we are together, that we are living together, we are living in peace. And I, I just really want to say that during the, that period, 
people became closer to, to each other. And that's, again, because of our belief uh, in God and because we really feel now the, the, the grace. When you are in the same trouble uh, and you see that you are all in the same situation, you really become closer together. We never visited each other before, but in this situation, we were sharing food, we were sharing blankets, we were sharing everything that we have. I wonder if you can break down the differences on how you're experiencing Ramadan in the earthquake zone. What else can you share about how you're, how you're celebrating the Holy Month right now? Right. There are many mosques which they are damaged now. And not all the people, they are very comfortable to go to, um, to this area with heavy structures. Like really many of our relatives and many of our friends, they have left Gaziantep already. So after the pray, we just go home. Right. And we sit by ourselves. Oh. So we are not really meeting now with many people. Like uh, previous Ramadans, uh, previous years, uh, every week we have uh, at least two or three times we visit or we invite people to come to our houses. But this Ramadan, uh, today is my first time I'm, li- I'm visiting my brother's house. Wow. And yeah, we're, we're already a few weeks in, yeah. Many of the people are not uh, like they are not com- feeling comfortable to visit other people's houses because they don't they don't know the situation, you know. Like for me, currently I'm living now in the tenth floor. For us, we don't have another uh, option. But for the other people that you are inviting them even to have lunch with you, it's not very comfortable for them to come and stay at a tenth floor, for example. So it's even like um, prevented us. Uh, to meet with with the people that we love. Of course, we respect that. And of course, we, we have the same feeling that we don't want uh, to invite people and to put them in a situation that we don't know. After the break, while Ahmad has been making do in Gaziantep, life is also complicated for those outside the earthquake zone. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera news updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Since the earthquakes, survivors like Ahmad and his family have faced even more challenges, including more freak natural disasters. Heavy rain have inundated the cities of Shan Liorfa and Adi Amman. Economic uncertainty. Rampant inflation has eroded support for the president and his... And political campaigning. President Erdogan has said presidential and parliamentary elections will be held on May 14th, earlier than the scheduled date. But people outside the affected areas have still felt the impact. Everybody I speak to breaks down in tears mid-conversation. Journalist Emre Rende spoke to us earlier about his family in Antakya. He says the famed ancient city wasn't just badly damaged, but even two months later, it is wiped out. The city of Antakya is completely, completely unlivable. There's no water or electricity. The city, its churches, its mosques, it's, you know, it, it, it's gone. And so I've been asking people how they think the city should be rebuilt. He was outside the country at the time of the earthquake, but has been tallying the toll on his family. In our broader family, 17 people have passed away. The survivors outnumber, thankfully, those who have perished. 
My family is in a mix of living in tents, living in container towns, and those whose buildings are less damaged, who've only partially damaged, um, have returned to their homes. A lot of family members were, um, I think, extremely traumatized and had to get out. Also, um, for a very long time afterwards, they simply couldn't um, be in enclosed spaces. So still to this day, my cousin, who's three, Umut, Umut still doesn't want to go inside buildings. A lot of my cousins, um, they can't forget the screaming. That night, there was so much rain. One of my cousins said there was screaming everywhere, she says, and that she can't really get over that. Like millions of others, Emre's family initially left for other cities. Despite an initial desire to get out and get away, uh, forget, the, the trend now is, is of everybody coming back in one form or another. So th- there's a very strong desire to be close to land. I only have one uncle, um, Nejati, who had an open heart surgery since. Uh, he refuses to go back to Antakya. And though Emre's family doesn't observe Ramadan, the earthquake has brought them together and closer. Antakya is surrounded by hundreds of villages. So now what's happened is that everybody has gone back to his or her village. If this village wasn't there, I have no idea how people would deal with this. So that that fabric of Antakyan society that network right now is what really saved many, many people. That's where my uncles, my aunts, um, have gone back. It is where you know grandparents and you know before them have always been based. That land and is where everybody gathers. And that home and you know our village has um, you know accepted the call to be once again um, the uniting factor here. Amar Samor, who was also part of our episode in February, has also been thinking about how to support his family from a distance. After surviving the quake, he received news that his residency application in the UK had been approved. He and his wife were celebrating Ramadan in London, away from the family and friends that endured the earthquake with them. It feels really hard because, like, for me personally, one of the best thing about like Ramadan and fasting is the tradition about it. I don't remember having iftar once alone. I always had a friend around me. I'm a pretty social person, so I always had people around me. Now it feels like kind of fun. Friends and family are not here, so I feel like distanced now. But in the same way, everyone is still happy for us, like for Megint. Back in Gaziantep, Ahmad has also found purpose in being there for his family. So, Ahmad, I wonder how, as a father, you've been able to stay strong for your family and for your children. Yeah, I mean, as a father, you have many reasons to be strong. Like the first minutes of the earthquake, I had just to say that uh, everything will be fine, everything will be fine. You have the responsibility really to be strong. So we have to continue the work, because if we don't work, we will not be able to support them. Especially really like uh, how we are feeling, it's really reflected to how they feel. So for me, 
I didn't want them to go through a trauma. So I didn't want them to be like this. So we were trying always like to mention positive things. Like I usually don't play. I don't have really the time to play. But during this period, especially after the earthquake, I noticed that I have to play with them because we are we are still together. So this is thanks God. So they they really empowered me. Ramadan, if if nothing else, will be incredibly memorable for your family, especially your children. I wonder how you think this will change the way you celebrate Ramadan in the future. It really did. It changed how we are thinking of Ramadan. Now we really feel that this is the, the holy month that we have to benefit from every minute of it. So from now on, Ramadan is the holy month to stay with family, to pray to God to thank God for the graces that you have, and that's it. It's not about food. We have to focus on enjoy the, these, uh, these holy times with people. But I feel that this is really already changed about our thinking. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Miranda Lynn with Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, Nagin Oliai, Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, and me, Kevin Hurton. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Adam Abuged and Munara Altasari are our engagement producers. Alexandra Locke is the Take's executive producer. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.